can't help but notice that it's the first Sunday of 2024. And I bet that some of you have made some New Year's resolutions. I hate to start on a disheartening note, but statistically speaking, only around 14% of you will stick to your New Year's resolution, and 30% of you will have abandoned your efforts by the 10th of January. Are you feeling hopeful yet? Most people don't manage to stick to their New Year's resolution because they are made in moments of excitement and inspiration without any sort of plan being made of how to achieve their goal. People also like to think big. Now, I wouldn't want to limit God in any way. As we all know, he is the God of the impossible. But if you have decided you want to sort out your spending habits, get organized, lose weight, read more and exercise more, then that will seem quite overwhelming to achieve all in one go. Last year, my New Year's resolution was to become a no person rather than a yes person, an unusual choice. But this was in, in particular reference to my job. It's difficult objectively to measure my success in this goal, but I think I've done relatively well. Part of this came from the necessity of going back to a busy job after being on maternity leave and not really having the option to stay late to do excess work because I had a nursery pickup to do. So my point is this, can I encourage you to hear what God wants to say to us this morning and then make a plan of how to put it into action? I am also speaking to myself when I say this. Don't walk away thinking, that's nice, and then not give it another thought once you've had your cup of coffee after the service. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, or you think you know what they are, but you aren't exercising them, then make a plan. Even better, have accountability with a trusted Christian friend or leader. In James chapter 1, verses 22 to 24, we are instructed, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So I'm going to look at the topic of spiritual gifts in three parts today. The first part is your spiritual gifts are not your own. So we'll start by looking at a man named Bezalel in the book of Exodus. To set the scene, the Israelites have left Egypt for the promised land of Canaan and are wandering through the desert led by Moses. At Mount Sinai, Moses, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments written on two stone tablets. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 9, God commanded the Israelites to build a, tab a tabernacle, which was like a portable place of worship where God could dwell in the midst of his people during the exile whilst they were wandering through the desert. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. The man who was tasked with building the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, which is the ornate wooden chest that would contain the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments, was Bezalel. This was a big deal and a lot of responsibility, but God did not leave Bezalel to figure it out on his own. This is what God said about Bezalel in Exodus chapter 31 verse 3. 
And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. This is the identical phrase, Ruach Elohim, used when the creation of the heavens and earth began in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. This is a phrase we have heard many times during our series on the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit gifts Bezalel with skills, it is not for his own indulgence, but for others and to honour God. Paul echoes this sentiment in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Specifically, our spiritual gifts are to build up the family of believers. The paradox here is that knowing, sorry, the paradox here is that doing things to serve others builds us up and brings us joy. I'm sure you will know this from your own experience. Giving someone a lift, a homeless person your spare change, or sending someone an encouraging card. Some argue that this is why altruism, which is a selfless concern for the well-being of others, doesn't actually exist. If using your spiritual gifts is actually bringing you joy, then it isn't truly altruistic. Knowing that you are using your spiritual gifts for the benefit of others, especially within the family of God, will bring you more joy. And I think we could all do with a little more joy in our lives. There are lots of awful things happening in the world at the moment, and the daily grind can get us down. But focusing on helping others through the power of the Holy Spirit reminds us of our godly purpose. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. The second thing I'd like us to look at is, so how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Let's have a look what Paul says in Romans about spiritual gifts. If you'd like to follow, I'm reading from Romans chapter 12, verse 8 to 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though we are many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace each given to us, sorry, given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The spiritual gift of serving always makes me think of those of, those of us who make the brews after church on a Sunday. Very important role. And this is just one example of a spiritual gift being ser- of serving being exercised in the church. I often laugh to myself because I actually used to do this at another church many years ago. But the honest truth is I am terrible at making a brew other people. I like my tea quite weak and milky, which will sound disgusting to most of you. 
I'm sure. And I get unduly anxious whenever I host anybody in my home and usually delegate the brew making to my husband if that's feasible. You'll be relieved to hear that I haven't helped to make the tea and coffee after the service today. Now let's take a look at Paul writing to the Corinthian church on the topic of spiritual gifts. If you'd like to follow, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 to 31. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of all different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. That last phrase seems to imply that not all spiritual gifts are equal, i.e. the apostles and the prophets are above those that speak in tongues, for example. Christians can be divided on what Paul was meaning when he said this. And I felt like I couldn't skip past this verse because it caught my attention. A couple of points to consider when looking at this is that when spiritual gifts are listed in the Bible, they are not exhaustive lists. They are different lists of gifts with some overlap. And their order changes. In Romans 12, we've just read, prophecy is listed first and mercy last. I'm not going to dwell on this for too long, but to explain this, let's look at Paul's writing to the Ephesians for clarification. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 21. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, to him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. Apostles and prophets founded the church, so the list from Ephesians may just be a chronological order of the gifts manifesting in the church. So moving on. Spiritual gifts can include our natural talents, which have been transformed by the Holy Spirit, but they can also be totally, totally supernatural. This is why using some sort of spiritual gifts quiz is helpful, but not a complete picture of your spiritual gifts. A quiz might only test your capabilities through your experience, but may miss out on your potential. People who know you might be able to tell you what they think you'll be good at, but the, the best way is to just start doing something. It involves getting out of your comfort zone, and it might mean hard work to master a skill. It does not mean you have to be the best at everything. Let's take the gift of knowledge, for example. This is not a gift that is earned by studying God's word with dedication, although this is an admirable and good thing to do. By definition, 
a gift cannot be earned. This gift of knowledge is when supernaturally God gives you information that would be humanly impossible to otherwise know. A biblical example of this can be found in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 9. Saul was looking for his father's donkeys, and someone recommended he speak to Samuel, who was nowhere near the donkeys and had never seen the donkeys. The day before Saul arrived to see Samuel, God spoke to Samuel and told him that a man from the land of Benjamin would visit him, and Samuel was to anoint him as a ruler over the Israelites. When Samuel explained this to Saul, he also says in verse 20, As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. There is no human way that Samuel could have known that Saul was to become a ruler, nor the location of the donkeys that Saul didn't even mention when he spoke to Samuel. This was the gift of knowledge at work. Another example is the gift of healing. I am sure we are all care, sorry, I'm sure we are all grateful for healthcare professionals that help to heal us from our physical ailments. But the spiritual gift of healing is supernatural, a type of healing that modern medicine can't do and that can only be from God. Each of us as brothers and sisters in Christ has spiritual gifts and each of us is different in our gifts. And I can guarantee you that there is untapped spiritual gifting in you, the members of this church. Do not let your thoughts about your gifts and abilities limit you. The lists in Corinthians and Romans are not exhaustive. Now, that upsets me a little bit because I like things to be categorized neatly in packages. And that isn't always the way God works. Broadly speaking, you can separate spiritual gifts into three categories. Gifts of ministry, gifts of manifestation, and motivational gifts. This is just one way that I personally find it helpful to think about the gifts. Ministry gifts include prophecy, pastoring, teachers and apostles. Manifestational gifts include healing, a word of knowledge, and speaking in tongues. And motivational gifts include giving, encouraging, and showing mercy. Now, there's certainly some overlap with these lists, but it's just an idea of how you might want to think about it. One personal example that I'd like to share is the gift of generosity. I am certain that it's one of my spiritual gifts because my attitude towards giving money and time is unusual amongst most of the people I know, and I truly believe that this is a spiritual gift, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I hope you can see I'm not listing this example to be holier than thou. I'm just aware of how generous God has been towards me. As a child, when I was growing up, we lived without much money with my parents and two siblings. My mum recounts times when there had been 17p in the bank account and had no idea when our next meal was coming from. Most of my clothes were second-hand, and we didn't go on holiday unless someone from the church offered to pay for us. I was always that child in the school class photo, standing out for wearing a non-uniform jumper, because we simply couldn't afford the uniform. Go 
coming from this sort of background, often a natural response is to hoard money, for example. But despite this, I have always been known, been known to be generous with my money and time. Once I left home, aged 18, I became a poor student, and even then I would give whenever I felt God prompted me out of my student loan. This included putting money in envelopes to give to people God called me to, and lots of other things. I just think it's one of the ways that I stand out as a Christian in my workplace and amongst my friends and family. People that know me know I couldn't care less about money, and it's not just because I am no longer a poor student and have a job now. Where I can be generous, in secret, I do, but when that's not possible, I will give imperfectly and to the best of my ability, prompted by the Holy Spirit. Each one of us has spiritual gifts. Just think of Dorcas in the book of Acts, making clothes, or think of what Jesus said, about visiting those in prison, or giving a small cup of water to the very least. There is nothing too big or small, and none of us are a spare part. We are all needed. So how do you find out what your spiritual gifts are? Pray and ask God. Ask other Christians that know you. Ask others to pray for you and fill you with the Holy Spirit. More to come on this in the next couple of weeks. Try a quiz, there are plenty of them online, but do not be limited by it. And step out of your comfort zone, just try something new. So my third and final point is so how do I put my spiritual gifts into practice? Nicky Gumbel describes, the church has been likened to a football match in which thousands of people desperately in need of exercise watch 22 people desperately in need of rest. There may be seasons in your life where you exercise your spiritual gifts in different ways. Being a mum to a toddler with both parents working shifts means that I am somewhat temporarily limited in how I can serve the church with my spiritual gifts at this time. As previously discussed, nobody would want me to make them a cup of tea after the service, and you certainly wouldn't thank me for singing at the front. There will be seasons where you need to receive and be blessed by the spiritual gifts of others more than you are able to give back to the church, and that is okay. That is us functioning as a body of Christ, as the body of Christ. And I thank God for each one of you that blesses me with your spiritual gifts. When we exercise our spiritual gifts, we should do it peaceably and in unity. If anyone has ever worked in a team, you'll know that this is harder than it sounds, but it's what God calls us to do. If you'd like to follow, I'm just going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 to 16. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when, when you were called. The one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is what it say, why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. 
What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We should use our spiritual gifts without envy and with humility. Envying others comes naturally to most of us. We can look around at other people in church, admiring their talents, and the devil wants you to believe that someone else's gifts are better than yours. Do not allow this lie to rob you from blessing other believers and God through exercising and celebrating your spiritual gifts. Confess any envy in your heart and then act like you aren't envious and your heart will follow. I'm speaking to myself when I say this. Galatians 4, uh, verse 25 to 26 teaches us, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is a thriving church, but we have not yet reached our potential in terms of our spiritual gifts. Think of all the ministries that go on in this church to start. Trust House, Kids Life, Life Groups, Little Gems, Smash, but to name a few. Think of how much maintenance a church building like this requires and the preparation and planning that goes into each service and event. There are so many ways we can bless each other through our spiritual gifts. To conclude, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for those who have received salvation. So if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I would encourage you to speak to one of our church leaders before you go today if you would like to know more. And I know they would love to pray with you. So what are your spiritual gifts? Make it your New Year's resolution to find out what they are through prayer and wise counsel. Put them into practice with humility, peace and grace to bless your church family. I'll finish with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Mm-hmm.